Welcome to Off Trail, a podcast about the crazy and unpredictable journey that is entrepreneurship, told through the lives of two friends turned co-founders starting a healthcare company. Join Eris and I in our weekly conversations about healthcare, entrepreneurship, and life philosophies. Thank you so much for joining us for week two of Off the Trail. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the takeaways of health conference and uh, some of our biggest learnings from it. Yeah, so I think like the major major theme definitely of the conference was just a focus on virtual care and telehealth. As we all know, kind of virtual care is something that's been talked about for years now, for almost a couple decades, but we haven't really seen them take, take off in the healthcare sector and become mainstream until the pandemic which forced a lot of people to try uh, this kind of virtual care environment. So if you look at healthcare now, the majority of healthcare providers, I think something more than 80% have actually used virtual care to some capacity in their practices. And over 50% of all Americans have now had a virtual telehealth visit. So it's gone from being kind of a corner of healthcare to very much at the center. And we see a lot of that being discussed during the conference. It's really interesting to see the rise of telemedicine, um, especially during the pandemic. But telemedicine isn't a new concept. It's been invented decades ago. Just uh, the fact that like doctors realized that they could be providing some some sort of services, either through the phone or even through video before even the Zoom era, where there was just Skype or um, even FaceTime. But because of the pandemic, people were forced, providers themselves were forced to provide care outside of the clinic and people realize that it wasn't an effective way to provide care for most majority of the scenarios. And and people valued that because it helped them save time, it helped them save money, and providers were also uh, able to see the same clinical outcomes in patients, nearly the same in most of the cases. Yeah, I mean, I think the allure of, of telehealth makes sense, right? The value proposition is clear in a world where software is kind of taking over all components of our life. It seems like healthcare is the easy kind of next path for it to take. And telehealth offers that convenience that you mentioned and also lowers the cost of healthcare since a physician or a healthcare provider can just sit in their home and, and rattle off a couple of health visits right away. But to be honest, for, for me, and just based on looking at a lot of these healthcare companies, it seems that I'm a little concerned that the trend is maybe a little overhyped in that, you know, I think healthcare for the most part is a relatively personal experience in that it's not only kind of getting medical advice from a healthcare professional, but also you're being vulnerable. You're telling them kind of something that you probably haven't told anyone else outside of your own family about what you're going through. And so being able to kind of interact with that person uh, in, in, in a physical, in a physical place rather than virtual setting is it can be important for a lot of patients. And just because the telehealth uh, experience is more convenient, I think the trade off there is that it is less convenient, it is less personable, and also uh, kind of less human in a way, because you're talking to a screen rather than talking to an actual person. And so I'm curious as to see kind of where telehealth goes. I think it definitely has a lot of place in our society in that, you know, patients that already have an established relationship with the provider can go and get a virtual visit over telehealth, and it can be kind of a quick way to do a follow up. But in terms of actually initiating that initial connection with the provider and, and developing that trust, I'm not sure if virtual only practices are necessarily uh, going to be where healthcare is headed in the future, or at least where it should be headed in the future, because I think it eliminates a, a, a human part of the experience. What's been your experience uh, using telehealth in the past? Yeah, so I've used telehealth once, and honestly, I didn't. I didn't have a great experience. So it was over a winter break 
uh, for us last year during peak pandemic, I had kind of a stomach ache and I kind of didn't want to go all the way to the clinic. So I had a call with a provider. It lasted maybe two to five minutes. I like they they asked me a few questions about my condition and then they said they'd call back with a, a gastro specialist because it was a stomach issue. And I just never really got a call back and that was kind of it. And so, I mean, maybe that's why I'm a little scarred from the experience, but I think overall it was just very hard for me to communicate my problem over the, over video or over the phone, just because I didn't really, I didn't really feel like the healthcare provider was able to understand my problem and empathize with what I was going through. I've had a couple experiences in telehealth as well myself. And for me, um, as a person, a relatively young person, I would say like relatively healthy as well. Like I abhor the idea of uh, going to the doctor and every single one of my primary care visits in the past have been just very, very inefficient. And also like haven't had a really good experience seeing a provider just because it would take me a tremendous amount of time, not only to schedule the appointment, but also waiting at the clinic and only seeing a provider during an hour visit for maybe only 15 minutes was, I felt like a waste of time. And furthermore, when I saw the provider, they wouldn't really give me any important information that like I wouldn't be able to Google search or like diagnose myself, you know? So um, in in that sense, I I feel like in clinic visits, most of the time have just not been uh, at the caliber that I've expected them to be. And I've had a couple telehealth visits. Some were good, some were bad. But I think the main value of telehealth for me has been just the efficiency and the ability for me to just live my life in a normal way and not disrupted by putting in a two-hour block during the middle of my day to go see the doctor in the clinic. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would not discount the convenience aspect. I think that is essential. And I value convenience a lot as well. And obviously, we're starting a company that offers telehealth services. So we obviously do see some value to it. The way I would kind of think about this is that I would split up kind of healthcare into two separate buckets. So I think one kind of bucket in healthcare is is where the patient kind of already has an idea of what they want. So they're going to a doctor, not necessarily to kind of like learn about a new condition or get diagnosed necessarily, but just to kind of get prescribed a drug or kind of get a solution that they already know that they're going to kind of need, but just need a physician or a healthcare provider's approval. So I think companies like uh, Roman and, and Hims and Hers kind of fall within this bucket because if you're going to Roman, like you have whatever ED and you want bag, right? It's like, it's as simple as that. And so all your, the only reason why you're even having a physician visit is just so you can check that box and get that prescription. I think in that world, telehealth makes a lot of sense because it adds that convenience access to it. You can get it in a quick way. You don't need to make a two hour trip to the the provider to get prescribed Viagra. You can get it in 15 minutes and don't even need to see a provider synchronously. I think I read uh, during the kind of health conference that uh, Zach, Zach Ritano mentioned that uh, over 70% of all of Roman's visits are asynchronous. So it's like, you're not even seeing a healthcare provider directly you're just filling out a form that is then evaluated evaluated by a provider and it seems that most people actually prefer that because they want a quick way to get their kind of medication the second bucket however i think is where telehealth kind of falls short at least for kind of developing that initial rapport which is when you're going to a healthcare provider and you don't know what you want like you're 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 scared and you're confused because you have a condition you're experiencing some kind of symptoms and you don't know what the solution is i think in that world a telehealth visit doesn't really meet a patient's needs because it's hard for a healthcare provider to be able to empathize with you, to understand your problem in a virtual setting. Whereas going in person, even for 
just the purposes of communication rather than physical touch is is a valuable it couldn't be valuable just because it helps the provider get a better understanding of what your condition is i think it's impossible to like develop an actual genuine relationship with the provider over telehealth like um, we've met hundreds of people just on zoom calls met a lot of like different doctors and people that we consider are very close with but just like very very different meeting someone through video through a phone call and trying to explain um, your entire medical history to someone who is trying to synthesize that information less than 15 minutes the thing is though is it is that important right? like do people actually care about that i think you know when you're trying to meet new friends like of course you want to develop that rapport and like kind of chit chat. But for a lot of people, healthcare is transactional, right? And, you know, maybe that's not a that's not necessarily a problem. Like, it's fine if you kind of just see it as a way to just get your drugs or just get treatment. And you don't really care who your provider is or what kind of healthcare that you're yeah. getting from them. So I definitely think that I agree with you in that uh, it is kind of it is harder to develop that relationship. But at the same time, you know, some patients just aren't looking for that. And I think there's no yeah. nothing wrong with that either. You can't really bracket and bucket patients into the same category. I think a lot of patients value some people um, see healthcare as you as you mentioned as a means to an end, as like something that need they need to do in order to, for example, get that pain medication or get uh, those ED drugs, get that minoxidil um, or like just those things that Hims and Roman offer. But I think like a lot of the time, healthcare needs to be more than just that transactional service between a provider and a patient. And it's often more intimate than that. Uh, and most of healthcare, I believe, uh, most of the necessary services that require people to actually understand you um, holistically as a person, it needs to be personalized. And, and I believe that for a patient choosing a healthcare provider, a lot of the time they don't even get a they don't even get a say in who they choose and who they see. And I truly believe that in another world, if there were different innovations going on, a company that would be able to create that unique experience for every single individual would be able to make healthcare a better place. That's that's an interesting point. And obviously I am in alignment with you just because obviously that's what we're trying to do. But at the same time as well, the important question is, you know, do we need one company to be able to create a variety of healthcare experiences or you know, we're looking at a healthcare boom right now. This is like the renaissance of healthcare right now. You see companies sprouting out left and right that are trying to approach healthcare in very different ways. We still have in-person clinics right now. And then we have providers that are offering truly virtual or even asynchronous care. And then we have some that are doing hybrid, right? So do patients necessarily need a one-stop shop where they can get all their healthcare needs answered and get in a personalized way? Or is it okay for us to have, you know, a thousand different healthcare companies uh, all of which are approaching healthcare in different ways. And then to allow for patients to pick which healthcare company kind of best meets their needs uh, and kind of best aligns with their version of healthcare rather than having one company do everything. Because, you know, the problem with having one company that tries to do everything is that the more you try to do, the harder it is to do anything well. And so if you have a thousand companies that are all specializing in one specific category and they're all doing it fucking well, versus you have one company that's trying to do a thousand different things and doing it shitty, you know, the answer is pretty clear for patients. So I think that's that's where I think, uh, you know, personalization is important, but that can just be a function of the ecosystem rather than an individual company trying to personalize for everyone. I think also going back on our point about telemedicine and everything, I think like in order for us to truly see the value in telemedicine, we can't look at it in, uh, in one silo. We have to connect telemedicine to other aspects of healthcare and leverage the technology to be for it to be used most effectively. 
for example, integrating it with EMRs, connecting it with and allowing documentation features through telemedicine platforms to help clinicians document patient progress notes, his, patient medical histories, um, just to, for it to translate and connect better to existing healthcare platforms out there. If you just do telemedicine, all the clinical outcomes that the patient and the provider gathers from a patient won't be as effective as if it's connected with different other platforms and um, integrated into existing systems. Yeah, I think maybe an analogy I'd use here, I think I think that's right. And I think maybe an analogy I'd, I'd use here, maybe not perfect, is Warby Parker. So if you look at Warby Parker's strategy initially, it was digitally native, right? They were only selling glasses online. And for a while that worked and they were able to get some consumers. But then they realized, oh, Digitally native is going to get us a good amount of customers, like not bad at all, but it's not going to, not everyone wants to buy their glasses online. Some people value an in-person experience. And so they eventually kind of opened up in-person stores and started selling them as well. And I think you see companies in healthcare doing the same. So I think one example is Carbon Health, right? So initially they started off being purely virtual and then now Carbon Health actually owns a bunch of different clinics across uh, California and they're trying to be kind of a, a omni-channel kind of healthcare provider. And so what I'm curious with is, these companies right now that are digital health giants. So if you look at Roman, Hims, Hers, uh, um, and then uh, even like companies like Noom, they're virtual only right now. Do you think companies like this are going to eventually open up in-person clinics as well to try to cater to all patients regardless of their needs? Well, if you look at people like Andrew Dudham's vision, they initially tried to enter the healthcare space by looking at different things and selling different products that they know for a fact has a huge market. They started selling ED drugs. They started selling hair loss products for guys because they they know that's a huge problem that people uh, want to solve and people are ex- currently experiencing. And they gradually integrated into telehealth and um, offering different sorts of primary care. I think that is a node of expansion for them. And I, I do see a potential for them to grow into kind of offering kind of more convenient in-person care. But right now, I think for them, their primary vision, um, as you as you mentioned, is important for, for them to focus in on something. Um, and what they do well right now is offering healthcare as uh, a means to an end, and that end being being able to prescribe different medications that people actually want and need. And it's easiest to do that through telehealth. Yeah, I think we talk about this all the time, and it's it's about taking the path of loose resistance. So when you're a startup, there are a billion different things that can kill your company. And so it's very important for you to focus and have a laser focus on one specific niche, one specific thing that you can do incredibly well. And also uh, something that you can do incredibly well where you can be successful in a relatively easy way, because even things that don't appear hard can end up being hard, especially when your team is incredibly small and you have very few resources. So you really need to focus in. But once you've kind of taken that path of resistance and kind of dug into it and have kind of been able to grow your company, eventually company your company will hopefully become at a scale where you have the luxury of choice. You have the luxury of capital and you have the ability to put the capital into a variety of different places because now you're not and no longer worried about just like having your company survive. It's already clear that your company can survive and you have stable cash flow that's coming in. And it's a question of, you know, where can I invest that money in a place that will give me financial return? And you have the ability and the power to invest in a variety of places and kind of see what works and what doesn't. In terms of like companies, for example, you brought up the, the company 
Carbon Health, and there are a lot of other similar competitors in the market. We all know and love One Medical, and also um, recently through Health 2021 conference, we've seen crossover taking a, a large leap forward. How do you see these competitors differentiating themselves? Like you operating in the same space, essentially doing the same thing, offering omni-channel platforms to give people better access to healthcare. How do you see them differentiating in the future? Yeah, honestly, I think it's just a function of the market being really fucking big for healthcare, right? Like we have a million different hospital chains and, and systems across across the US that have been successful. And I think these companies, right, Carbon Health, uh, uh, One Medical, Crossover, these are the future health systems, right? These are the health systems of the future. We're going to see like Kaiser Permanente, like all these like hospital chains kind of die down and see these tech companies kind of take over. So I don't think that they necessarily need to differentiate. I think for the most part, they're going to be doing relatively the same stuff. I just think the market is fucking big. Like healthcare is the biggest part of our economy. And I think that's going to be the case in the future. Although what I will say is that there are a lot of health tech startups right now, and I do not think a lot of them will survive. I think a lot of them currently are staying afloat just because there's a lot of venture funding in the market right now. And we're seeing kind of a cycle where people uh, raise money, then they kind of have a little bit of growth and they're able to raise more money and just sustain themselves through their venture growth. Yeah. Not all of these companies will eventually become sustainable and profitable, but I think that's yeah. okay. I think, you know, we've get, we're getting a lot of different experimentation in the market. We're getting a consumers an opportunity to kind of try a lot of different things and see what they like. And then eventually the ones that survive are going to be the ones that result in the best consumer healthcare experience. And that's how it should be. Yeah. It's true that a lot of these companies are very very capital intensive especially when once you invest in into real estate yourself and a lot of like companies like one medical have hundreds and thousands of different clinics across the country how do you think that they'd be able to keep up with it without just raising a shit ton of money from venture it's not possible it's definitely not possible at least initially i think especially in healthcare where there's so many costs not only in terms of you mentioned the real estate then you have like legal costs you have to pay providers which Obviously, you need to pay them a good amount of money and then you have to market yourself as well because consumers, you know, the consumerization of healthcare is a very new concept and a lot of people are still not fully sold on it. So companies they're like not that are selling, it. they're not. Yeah. So people, are, you have to spend a shit ton on marketing to eventually get people on board. So I think there's no way to do it without venture funding. But the question is, once you get that initial push from ventures, venture funding, eventually, you know, you're going to get people to try your product. If you have a lot of money, you can spend it on marketing and people will try your product. The question is, is your product fucking good? Do people actually want to use this product into the future? Or are they going to try it once? You know, you, you're going to give them some kind of discount to try for free or some shit. And then they're going to stop using it because they no longer have that free discount and they realize that your product is shitty. And I think for a lot of companies, unfortunately, the fact is that they're going to come to the realization that consumers don't actually want their product and eventually they're going to die. But that's just a product of the market. I think founders know that as well. Founders know that starting a company is risky and there's a chance that you never get to that product market fit. The rise of consumerization in healthcare has also led to increased healthcare expenditures. We're already facing a huge ass problem right now in the country that we're living in with people spending way too much money and providers so, and health systems spending way too much money on, uh, on tests that people don't even need. Yeah. How do you think this will evolve? Well, first of all, I disagree with the idea that uh, the consumerization of healthcare is resulting in increased costs. I think if anything, it's the opposite. I think when you have healthcare going through a bunch of different channels like the clinic and the insurance company, I think those companies take a chunk off the top off of each transaction, which means that overall the healthcare experience is actually more expensive for consumers and for everyone. But if you're able to sell directly to consumers, you get rid of that 
these middle people, these clinics, these these insurance companies. And I think you make the healthcare experience cheaper. And also you make a healthcare experience that people actually want because consumers are choosing rather than providers. And so I think that that's the case. But I think I think we're headed in the right direction, honestly, to make things cheaper. Like, sure, there is this initial uptake cost, which is like we had to spend a lot on on venture funding. And it's kind of an experiment, right? Like we're, we're spending a lot of money for a bunch of different experiments. And in the short term, that's costly because experiments are costly. But what that's going to result in is we're going to find eventually a solution or something close to what the ideal healthcare experience looks like. And once we have that, that's going to sustain, hopefully, uh, the healthcare market and kind of is going to dictate what the healthcare market looks like into the future. Some of the companies that we look up to personally, Iris and I, have been Roman, Hims, just pioneering the aspect of uh, consumer-based healthcare, selling healthcare uh, as a product. And it, it may look very, very non-professional at first, but uh, we've spoken to a lot of our clinical advisors, people that have been in the industry for 40, 50 years, and they've said every time we mentioned the idea of, for example, um, making healthcare a brand and making selling healthcare directly to the consumer, They've always looked away just because uh, for them, that's not the idea of like what healthcare truly means. But we need to start from a point. And I think that they've realized that starting in this area of healthcare will allow them to, to succeed in the future. Yeah, I think that's 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 correct. I think, you know, in general, healthcare is kind of stuck up. Like it's like a very pretentious industry for the most part. I think the more casual we make it and the more kind of informal we make it, the more people will actually enjoy the experience. And if people enjoy the experience, they'll get more healthcare in the future, which will result in better health, which will eventually lower costs. So I think, you know, overall, it might sound counterintuitive, but I think it's valuable to make healthcare more appealing for consumers to use. So I think, I think we're headed in the right direction and I hope it sticks. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited to see where this industry goes in the future because I think there's honestly never been a better time to work in healthcare and health tech just because you know, the pandemic for a lot of reasons obviously was terrible, but I think one thing that it was good for was that it really caused a cataclysmic shift in the way healthcare has been pro is being provided and the way people think about healthcare. Hopefully that sticks hundreds of years post pandemic. With that, uh, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode and hopefully to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.